0: Anything that crosses my mind that seems to be of interest, I hope you'll enjoy it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Acupuncture Outsider. This is Richard Hazel and today I want to talk about palpation. Um, I, I think I rely a lot on palpation, maybe more than many who do orthopedic acupuncture do. I can't speak for them. I know from what people, what many of the educators talk about for assessment, it's a lot of uh, muscle testing, muscle length testing and manual muscle testing. But I don't think, um, I don't think I see them talking a lot about the role of palpation. And I was just thinking about it because um, one of my absolute favorite books for, as a reference for tough cases is uh, Dr. Andrea Trescott's book on peripheral nerve entrapments. That is uh, just gold. Um, I have it on my, on my Kindle. And anytime I'm suspecting there could be a nerve entrapment, I'm looking at her book for help. And Dr. Trescott relies very heavily on palpation for nerve entrapments. So um, <coughs> sorry about that. Um, so I was thinking about it and you know, I realized I, you know, because um, I've always paid close attention to, Trigger points and trigger point pain referrals as part of my assessment that I've always palpated as much or more than I use manual muscle testing. And so I wanted to talk about some specifics about when I'm palpating and why I think it's getting me a better idea of what's going on than just manual muscle testing alone. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is issues with deep rotators and hip pain and uh, uh, deep gluteal syndrome or sciatica, where the if you did a piriformis muscle test, whether they're face down or face up, they're using a lot of external rotators, not just the piriformis. so, uh, you could use that as a muscle test and they might even test strong and they may have sciatica and that would not rule out the deep gluteal syndrome. The best way to know for sure is to palpate. the Palpate the piriformis from the sacrum to the greater trochanter. Push down just medial to the greater trochanter and just a little bit superior medial and you'll feel the common tendon of the obturator internus and the gemellus superior and inferior if that is hypersensitized then it absolutely needs to be treated to resolve the hip pain or sciatica or both Um, palpation of the gluteus medius for hip pain and Sciatica, absolutely necessary. Uh, Don't be fooled by strong muscle testing. Uh, There are plenty of strong people who can fool you, but you can uh, not be fooled by getting your thumb into those muscles and see if they're injured. Uh, You'll see the same thing. Sometimes you'll test, uh, considering an infraspinatus issue you might get fooled because there's no pain and not much weakness on an external rotation muscle test held for three seconds or more. You might say, oh, that felt pretty good. Did you feel pain? No, I didn't feel pain. And then when they're face down on the table, if you will take your thumb, and actually, usually I use my fingertips first, and I just feel the muscle tone of the infraspinatus. And I try to feel both sides, so I know what their normal feels like and I know what the injured side feels like and very often the infraspinatus is hypertonic and if you were to strum in there and find very painful sensitive tight bands in the infraspinatus I would, I would say absolutely that needs to be treated And I might choose to just use the motor point of the infraspinatus to loosen up the infraspinatus and see how that feels, especially if it's the first visit. But know that those active taut bands in the infraspinatus are probably going to cause anterior shoulder pain. Um, Triceps, triceps are a great example. Uh, You can muscle test triceps and not reproduce the medial or lateral epicondylitis pain that someone is getting from short triceps. They could test strong on the manual muscle test and not feel that pain. Same thing with an olecranon bursitis pain from the long head of the tricep being too short. They feel that pain mostly when they rest their elbow on a desk or some other hard surface, but they don't really feel that pain on using the triceps. So you end up having to actually test it by having them put their elbow on a table after treatment to see, because again, the the muscle test will be normal. Um, But you need to palpate the triceps uh, for the lateral and medial epicondyle pain. And you're gonna, of course, palpate the tricep tendons above those um, landmarks, the lateral epicondyle or the medial epicondyle to see if they're relevant to your patient's elbow pain. They're easily missed um, because, like I said, you could manual muscle test the, the tricep. They won't necessarily hurt Uh, at the uh, epicondyle. epicondyle. But when you uh, press on the muscle and tendon right above that, you will feel that pain. And then you know triceps are contributing to your patient's elbow pain. Um, What's another good one? TFL is another good one. TFL can get taut bands in it. It could test strong but still be producing pain that goes into the groin or into the IT band area or the greater trochanter. Uh, TFL for sure. Sometimes it, it'll it test strong, especially on athletes, but it could pathologically be tight and have painful taut bands in it. So I gotta dig my thumb in there to confirm that it's a healthy muscle, or to confirm that it is, as I suspected, too short and full of taut bands. So I don't always trust the uh, manual muscle test. If somebody's got something where I expect to see a certain pattern of shortened muscles, and they're still testing strong, I can't trust the muscle test anymore. I have to dig in and really figure out what's going on and what muscles are involved. And I'm gonna push and sometimes I have to push kind of hard. Sometimes I don't have to push at all. I just have to barely touch. And it's so hypertonic that it feels like a rock. Uh, and, and then you know. There, there's no flexibility in that muscle. Um, I just treated a uh, college baseball pitcher. And his uh, strength on pronation was very good. And I was I was treating the the his uh, his right arm he's right he's right handed, and I expect on a pitcher the pronator teres to be super locked up and tight. And it was super. He was strong. His pronation was very strong. Now, once I decided to palpate his pronator teres, I could feel an extreme hypertonicity of the pronator teres. The same uh, goes for. I did a muscle test of flexor carpi ulnaris with his wrist in in um, ulnar deviation, and what was interesting was he tested strong. However, he had to cheat by flexing his fingers, and that revealed a whole story that he had for me about how he's been pitching since he was in his early teens. And he used to grip the ball super hard. Uh, it gave him some sort of control that he liked. But, um, but yeah, his finger flexors were like hypertonic. And so that was an interesting find because if you just, just palpate, you could feel how dense that area was before treatment. Um, and so I treated the pronator teres in spite of his strength. And um, he texted me two days after treatment about how he was, he couldn't believe how how well he was throwing and how he was kind of not used to not having pain after throwing. Um, it was a very good result for one one visit. And I I told him, you know if you if you start if it starts coming back, we're definitely talking about all the mob- mobility involved because I was pitching to him, oh sorry, poor terrible pun. I was uh, proposing to him that um, we need to consider his his hips and his torso rotation and of course his scapular stabilizers and rotator cuff and having worked with other pitchers before, I know where there are a lot of issues we'll get even in the pecs. So, and he said, oh yeah, yeah, my athletic trainer and I, we're, we've been doing tons of work on all of that and I'm feeling good with that. And I said, okay, so let's focus on your pain and then if it's coming back, then we'll talk more about any of those instabilities. I, I, I don't want to ask you to go through more treatment than, than you need right now for pain relief. So we focused entirely on his pain and symptoms um, some of them were kind of neurological. After he threw, he would expect his uh, fingers four and five to get tingly, which is why I was suspecting the flexocarpial naris because that impinges on the uh, ulnar nerve. but um but anyway, he he feels great so far. And like I said to him, if you know if it starts to come back, then we do need to consider more of the shoulder scapular stabilizers, uh, you know, uh, a lot of the things that, that help uh, with rotation, so if you're familiar with the uh, flaming um, myofascial slings, the anterior oblique subsystem, the posterior oblique subsystem are definitely things to be considered for him as well as the shoulder stabilization. But um, anyway, so palpation. Palpation is so important for confirmation of your suspicions. Um, palpation can help you when you've treated according to what your what testing told you to do, but there's still pain. Palpation can help you find trigger points that are holding back your progress. And so really getting your hands on the patient is, is really important, especially for your more complex, uh, difficult cases. I had um, I had a patient who came in with what seems to be a uh, lateral femoral cutaneous nerve entrapment, with his um, you know lateral thigh over the vastus lateralis uh, has been numb for a couple weeks, and so I I haven't seen him in uh, over a year. I used to treat him for other things, but he decided to come see me for that. And I was just wanting to check his iliacus because I found many times that the iliacus is the primary source of that entrapment. And so I wanted to palpate, not just do muscle tests. And uh, I palpated the better side first to see what his iliacus felt like and um, zero discomfort and on On the affected side, I palpated the iliacus, and he said it was painful, uh, definitely painful. So palpation is really, really helpful and important. I have a patient who, he's, you know, sometimes people are a little too smart for their own good, and they, you know, they use Dr. Google enough that they feel like they know their diagnosis, and then they, you know, you're trying to help them but at, and at the same time explain to them your own perspective and they're doubting because, well, I know that I've had this laminectomies in my back and blah, 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 blah. And yeah, so I have a patient like this and um, and I'm explaining to him that your left side is locking up uh, uh, in your low back like your QL and your erectors because they're fighting against the SOAS on that side. And and uh, I'm treating SOAS to, you know, show him and and uh and he so so he came back for um I think a third treatment and I'm still focused on the SOAS but you know he's he's feeling like he's not getting any relief because but he went to play golf and then after he played golf he was and then his grandson did something he had to jump up off the couch to help his grandson and everything spasmed. And now he's like, um, he's like feeling like it's not helping. So what we did was I wanted to palpate his psoas in the abdomen so that he could get a sense of what his psoas really feels like. So I did it on the healthy side and I had him slightly, his knees were bent. His, he's lying flat on his back. His knees are up, feet flat on the table. I'm pushing in in that uh, lower iliacus area, just a little bit above that, um, having him lean his legs away from me to kind of move his his in- internals away from the psoas so that I can ca- comfortably dig my fingers in and feel his psoas and massage it gently. And then I have him slightly lift his knee so that he can feel the contraction of the psoas under my fingers. And then we go to the pain side and I didn't really even need to push for him to understand that this was the problem. He felt that painful psoas and then he believed. And I gave him some self massage uh, a- a homework so that he could start working on this himself um, because we need to really get his psoas back to a healthy length and released more. Uh, in order for his back to start feeling better and for him to stop feeling like, you know, he's in spasm. But this is, you know, this is what it's like with a tight psoas that's only tight on one side. It's really uncomfortable. So um, palpation. Palpation helps uh, to confirm the diagnosis. Of so, um, You know, I could show him with muscle testing, but it's not the same. They People don't necessarily understand what you're showing them with a psoas strength test but when you push on their soas on the good side and then on the injured side they get it they totally understand so um so i gave him homework and he started to cheer up and feel like we were on the right track um which i already felt like i was but he wasn't on board so so now he is palpation palpation saves the day um, same thing for headache patients. You know, when I'm treating migraine patients, I have to palpate the suboccipitals. Like, there's not a really good, like, muscle test that's going to help us rule in or out the activated um, uh, suboccipitals that are that are entrapping the occipital nerves, the the greater occipital nerve in particular. You just have to be able to push on those. Uh, suboccipitals on both sides and confirm the hypersensitivity of the headache side for the patient so you know what to treat and so that they know uh, what where the problem is and you're you're gonna find that with palpation it's all palpation so um, trying to think if there's other ones that I rely heavily on for for my pay oh You can muscle test QL um, however you want to to test it, It, and it might test weak, but putting your hands on the patient and actually feeling the tonicity of the QL gives you a lot of information. Um, Being able to palpate from the lower fibers of the QL right above the iliac crest through the middle and up to right where it attaches to the rib tells you a lot about where their pain is in the QL. So you know where to come back to if you have to do some dry needling of the trigger points. It's not enough to just get twitches out of the QL. If they have active uh, pain in the upper part of the QL, that's actually where you need to release it if the active pain is down around the iliac crest, that's where you need to release it. And sometimes it's easy to get tricked in in on the QL with trigger points that run underneath the spinal erectors. So you'll be pressing on the spinal erectors; they feel soreness. You could think it's the spinal erectors, but it's really the QL. And palpation is going to help you figure that out. Um, pushing in there and and trying to push under the spinal erectors, that'll definitely confirm that there's something going on with the QL underneath the erectors. But I rely heavily on palpation. Um, Sorry about that. Um, Same thing for the SCM and the scalenes. Um, Put your hands on the patient. Feel the tonicity of those muscles. It get, it gives you a lot of information. I always want to feel people's traps, upper traps, middle traps, lower traps, for neck or headache or shoulder issues. Um, putting your hands on the muscles tells you a lot. I believe I get more information from pushing on the muscles and squeezing the upper traps than I would get from a muscle test um, especially because I think a lot of people will be tight there anyway. It doesn't necessarily mean it's part of their pain, but, but palpation is going to help a lot. It's going to help you figure that out and confirm it. Um, what else? Uh, deltoid trigger points. You're not going to find deltoid trigger points from muscle testing. If you're just muscle testing and you're treating those muscles that are testing weak or painful, um, but they have trigger points, then they're not getting better. You're just doing a lather, rinse, repeat, and hoping for the best. If you're not willing to get your thumb over the top part of the deltoids where they attach to, to f- strum and find those really painful top bands in the, in the deltoid, uh, and then release them you, you're just not going to get where you're trying to go because those taut bands don't just go away uh, just because you you use a motor point and some electric stem. they you have to actually you know know how to release them with a dry needling technique. Um, I tend to do it very gently and slowly. I would recommend, if you're going to do that, you're needling in the direction of the top band and you're doing it very methodically and slowly uh, and gently. And you can get those top bands to release pretty well. Um, yeah, so palpation, uh, supraspinatus, supraspinatus. I, I want to dig my thumb in there and feel the tonicity of the supraspinatus. It supraspinatus is another one that can test fairly well strong maybe not even causing much pain but it could still be inhibited and tight super tight so you know you could they might trick you with really strong medial deltoid middle their their deltoid could be doing the abduction most of the abduction for you and you're doing a manual muscle test and it's testing strong but The supraspinatus could be weak and you're just being fooled by the deltoid. Um, But if you dig your thumb in there and you feel a rock in there, muscle shouldn't feel like that. Muscle shouldn't feel like bone. So let's get some blood circulating in that supraspinatus by treating it. And, you know, getting a nice fasciculation on it when you put the needle in is even better because it probably is stuck as a trigger point as well as just being tight and short because it's a rotator cuff muscle that just been working really hard to try to stabilize the joint. So, but, you know, putting your thumb on the supraspinatus, digging in, feeling it, that's key, in my opinion. And I'll tell you what, um, what I love it is when I'm working with a patient and they're telling me the pains that they have And then I put my finger right on where their pain is coming from and they're just amazed that I knew exactly where their pain is. And, you know, I'll... I'm always trying to, you know, be... um, I don't know, upbeat and make my patients laugh and, and and I'll tell them, you know, and I'll say everybody is unique, but... We are fortunate that the human body fails the same way for many, many people. So I do have good guesses uh, where to look for for the problem, and um, you know I want I want them to trust me, and I also want to show them what the problem is, and and I'll you know I'll say, listen, one day you might be halfway across the globe, and you can't make an appointment with me. If I haven't taught you what's wrong with you, how do you even know how to treat yourself? You, I want you to understand what's going on, not just have me fix it. Um, it's really important to me, and I know there's probably people who are rolling their eyes uh, you know, in uh, where I can't see when I'm explaining to them, because there's plenty of people who just, they, they don't want the nine months of labor, they just want the baby but I'm still going to explain to them what's going on with them. I think it's important. Um, You're going to get patient education from me whether you like it or not. (laughs) I can't help myself. I want them to understand what's going on, and I want them to understand that I understand what's going on, especially if they're a tough case. I'm very fortunate that I have a lot of medical doctors here in, in Buffalo, New York, and like Erie County area who have somehow heard of me through their patients, I suppose. So I have people, neurologists and other page people, um, physical therapists and rheumatologists and, um, rheumatologist and trying to think of all the places I've gotten referrals from, but lots of MDs sending me their Patients. Now, the um, what do I want to say? The ir- irony or the sort of humorous part of that is, they're sending me their toughest cases that they that they often have not been able to to uh, budge or figure out. So, um, you know, be careful what you wish for. You think, oh, if I could be getting medical doctor referrals, wouldn't that be awesome? Or, or if I get more medical doctor referrals, that would be amazing. But watch what you wish for because they might send you all the toughest cases that they couldn't help. Um, so I'm getting some of those cases. I'm getting diagnoses that, that there's not much research on, that, like, you know, people have to go to Cleveland Clinic, to get a better uh, perspective on what's going on with them. So I get those patients and, um, and I'm grateful for that because there, there, it is, it is possible to, to help people that no one else could help. Um, but that, you know, you're going to, you're going to also do some, some homework, trying to figure out what else you could do to try to, you know, help this person that even the experts weren't able to help. Um, Anyway, I got way off way off topic, but um, yeah, I I I highly recommend put your hands on your patients because this is something that's missing from our, our um, medical professionals. Very often, they they like to rely on you know things without bias. They 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 really consider palpation as bias. So they want to see they want to see imaging, they want to see blood tests. Um, they really don't want to you know, get involved in, in touching the patient or getting a lot of story from the patient about when things hurt and when things don't hurt. They just want to see the images. They want to know what the MRI looks like. They want to know what the CT scan or the x-rays look like. Let's look at your blood tests and um, go from there. They don't want to be in any way influenced by the subjective stuff. But as somebody who has to uh, work outside the box, outside the standard of care that our medical system follows, um, I'm forced to think outside the box in my assessment also. And sometimes that means putting my hands on people, asking them a lot of questions about when it hurts, when it doesn't hurt, what makes it better, what makes it worse. What positions are you sleeping in? What 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 gives you relief? Um, lots of things like that are the most relevant to me. And then once I have an idea, I wanna I wanna stick my thumb on muscles and sometimes my fingertips, sometimes my thumb. But I need to get my hands on the muscles that I think are causing trouble, so that I understand uh, that I'm on the right track. Okay, so sorry, I think I might have gone a little long on this one, but I think it's a worthy topic. And like I said, I think it's just something that you just don't hear about enough um, in the world of orthopedic acupuncture, like the, the role of palpation. So some of you are going to come after me and say, oh, that's all I talk about and that's all I teach. <laughs> but, But you also know that there is a huge group of people who are just learning um orthopedic testing as their assessment so i'm just putting it out there that there's more to your assessment than just orthopedic assessment i'm not saying don't do orthopedic assessment i'm saying you know follow your your instincts And if something tests strong and you suspect it shouldn't be that strong, then put your hands on the patient and figure it out and feel the muscles that you suspect are causing trouble, even if they tested strong. Okay, uh, have a great week, and I will talk to you soon.